this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to part two of our sit down with the one and only Miss Carol Potter. And if you haven't heard part one, check it out. We talk about how Carol was cast in 90210, working with the iconic Aaron Spelling, what it was like when she first met Shannon and Jason and Tori and Jenny and Luke and Brian and Ian. <sighs> So much nostalgia. We talk all about the beginning of 90210. We talk about the rumored red dress, Shannon's backstage tactics. I just had a lot of questions for Carol. Carol's amazing. We talk about Cindy Walsh, what happens when people come up to her and forget that she's Carol Potter and not Cindy Walsh. And now stay tuned for part two of our chat with Miss Carol Potter. One of my favorite stories is, you know, there was a period where you'd show up on the set, right? And the, and the, all of the kids would sort of slowly wander in, and, you know, and the directors would be tearing their hair out. Well, the first time, uh, you know, Jason directed one of the episodes, the very next episode he was in, he was the first one on set when called. He was, you know, Mr. Show up, be there. Because he suddenly saw from the other side of the camera what it cost when right. people aren't prompt and come when they're at, when they're called, you know, it right. was really it was like, wow, somebody figured something out there. That's an interesting point. Do you think? Because you know now we're in social media, and back then it wasn't. It was different. But we have like the print magazines. Like, do you think this whole thing with Shannon? I mean the bad girl and all this, like, do you think it would have been a thing if she were a man? Like if this were Luke? I think it would have been approached very differently. I mean, in the same way that for the guys, um, you know, having all of this fame and having women throwing themselves at them was that all stoked their ego. 
Um, I think that, you know, women who behave in those ways are still called sluts and men are not. There is totally a double standard. And I do think that it's, you know, that they use that bad girl thing as much as a titillation factor. Um, you know, and I, I don't know Shannon well, so I don't know if some of that was maybe just deliberate because as they say, no publicity is bad publicity. Publicity is publicity. People know who you are and, um, you know, so I, I wouldn't even know how to begin to have an opinion on that. But I do think that we are very um, patriarchal culture still. And that that really influences the kinds of pressures that are put on, especially young women. You know, by yeah. the time, you know, people, women are my age, nobody pays any attention to them anymore. So that's another reason why this is so fun. Normally, I'd be fading into oblivion, but because of 90210, suddenly people are interested in me. It's like, it's, it's quite lovely. Well, I would have wanted to talk to you five years ago, 10 years ago, if I was doing this at the time. Well, yes, right. It never went away for me. I didn't even really realize that it was such a big resurgence now. Because like, for me, it's always just, you know, you have your shows that you're always like, this is on brand for the podcast. This is on brand for my personal life. Like, just this is... <laughs> a self-indulgent show. I'm happy to do it regardless. But no, I mean, that's a good point. And you never, I guess you kind of already answered this, you never wanted to like take someone like Shannon, not as a mother, just as like an actress to actress. Like, you know, you were appreciative. Like I'm making a lot of money, like just. You know, I just didn't feel that was my role. I, I, you know, in order to do something like that, you have to have established a, a, connection with somebody. And I didn't really know enough about what was going on. I know that Shannon was under a lot of pressure. I mean, I think her family depended on her a great deal. And that's very difficult uh, for a young person. And she was very self-motivated in her career. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't presume to take uh, that kind of a role. I mean, I, you sense. know, it might be different in a play. You know, I'm, I'm doing a play. I, well, I was doing a play. I, who knows if it'll come back, but we were doing it every January. And um, I have a very different relationship to those, the younger people in the show. And I would feel very comfortable doing something like that with them. You if are. I saw somebody, you know, you got to straighten up and fly, right? This will not, this will not fly, Right. You know, generally, I'm a more I'm I go for more the supporting the right things that people are doing rather than confronting the wrong the, the problematic things. Um, but I would feel comfortable doing that with this uh, with this company. And you know, it's possible. I mean, I was I'm capable of being intimidated by people who are famous, and you know, and and you know, no one none of the girls sought me out for any kind of um, advice, intimacy or advice or anything like that. I mean, I knew they, they had people in their lives who are the last thing you need is one more person doesn't really know you very well telling you what to do when you've already got three voices in your ears. You know, you've got your agent, your manager, your publicist, your parents. It's, it's, yeah, you're not going to listen. Overwhelming and, uh, and confusing. And I wouldn't, it wouldn't be helpful. Is it really depressing or was it depressing, you know, in 1995 when Jim and Cindy got this great opportunity in Hong Kong and you opened the <laughs> script 
and you're like, wait, is this real? Like, I'm, I'm well, I'm yeah, I was pretty disappointed. I was, you know, but at the same time, that was, the, that was when I decided to go back to school. I mean, I had been thinking of it. I was working in a, my, I, I had started at a new church and um, a, a marriage and family therapist uh, with some other people had organized a, um, a, a listening ministry, right? We were supervised by licensed therapists. We had great training and, and I had, you know, that had been my first career idea. And actually, I always wanted to be an actress since I was like five years old, but I, I didn't know anything about it or how to do it. Right. So when I went to college, my dad was a psychiatrist and I'd always been interested in psychology. So I majored in, in basically in psychology and that was the plan. I was going to be a therapist and then uh, everything blew up. And I said, well, gee, why don't I do what I've always wanted? I mean, I kept, I acted all through, you know, from elementary school to junior high to high school to through college, I was always acting. And so, so it was sort of like going back to my original idea and um, I just got really excited about it. It felt, I got passionate about it. it to be sitting with people and have, see their lives change. See them become more compassionate towards themselves, more content with their lives, or, or more um, focused on what they really wanted to focus on. It was, it was, uh, it felt really good. And that was and right was, after 90210. Yeah. So I went back to school. I literally, we finished in the spring of 95 and I started school in that fall. Wow. And, um, and you wouldn't have done that if you, the show continued. I don't think so. I think I would have continued with the show and maybe at some point I would have gone back, but doing the show and, and I mean, it was a full-time program. Um, and it was, but it was very, um, it was, I was still doing a lot of auditioning. So it, it had a, a great schedule for me. There was a, a Tuesday, Thursday, or Saturday block of classes. And you didn't, you didn't have to choose what class you, they just gave it to you. Oh. And so I signed up for Tuesday. If I got an audition, I could come back and get the same material Thursday or Saturday. So it worked perfectly yeah, for that's what I needed at that time. <clears throat> what about, did your team, you know, your manager, agent, everyone say like, this what is the doing? time to strike. Right. Like you off the, one of the hottest shows. Well, I, was working with, I was working with a manager who was a, who was a good friend of mine. And uh, she was the one who actually wrote a letter to Aaron Spelling when the casting for uh, Sunset Beach happened and said, mm, don't you think Carol Potter would be great for this role? I think that's the only role I've ever gotten that I haven't had to audition for. Um, but she was, you know, and I was, I, there was a point at which I was, I was getting my training. So this, so I, I had graduated and I was collecting, you have to have so many hours to sit for your exam. And I was, I was doing that. And because I was already doing that when we negotiated with the soap and they were doing the soap like, Nighttime television. You know, when I was doing soaps in New York, it was like you were there at the crack of dawn and you were there until the last moment because they could only film everything in sequence because it was so difficult to, to edit videotape and they had to have it ready the next day. So it was all, so you'd go through the whole thing. 
you know, there'd be blocking rehearsal, you know, dress rehearsal and the final take. And this was done, all the things, all the scenes in this location, all the scenes in that location. And occasionally, you know, there's a big scene that takes all week. And basically, I saw clients on particular days and I'd call the week before and say, okay, what does the schedule look like next week? So, and they'd let me know, okay, you're going to have to work all week. And so then I could tell my clients, I'm not going to be available next week. Right. So we'll meet the week after. So I was able to work it out. And I'm telling you, if that show had lasted, I would have done that the rest of my life. I may, I might never have sat for my licensing exams. Yeah. I probably would have sat for the licensing exams, but it was such a great balance. Yeah. That's like a perfect. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Check out betterhelp.com slash velvet robe. Listen, life is full of stress. It doesn't matter who you are or where you are. Life is stressful. You may not be feeling down and out and depressed or like you're at a total loss, but if your stress level is high, like mine, your temper is shorter than usual, like mine, or even if you're starting to feel strained in any of your relationships, you could probably use the chance to unload. Unload the stress and get it out. Talk to someone who's completely unbiased and who's not going to judge you or take sides. If there's stuff you can't tell your friends or family, this is the place to do it. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Unload the stressors and get some unbiased feedback. You'd be pretty surprised at what you might gain for it. Try it out. See if it's for you. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Behind the Velvet Rope listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash velvet rope. That's B. E T T E R H E L P dot com slash velvet rope. Betterhelp.com slash velvet rope. It was. It was all about them, 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 or all about me, 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 me. You know? It it's was, like the best of both worlds. It was like the best of both worlds. And then at that point, you're probably happy that, you know, the mom isn't the main center. Like you're like, <laughs> Oh Go yeah. And get get some money, get keep your acting chops up, be a part of a great yes. show. Enjoy I mean, I enjoy the experience of, of right. you know, working and being with other people and paying attention to those things. What's my motivation here? What's you know, what's the emotional content of the scene? What's my relationship? It ties in. It ties in. And then I go <clears throat> on the set and I did have a couple of, you know, clients who'd say, Are you are you the mom on nine or two and oh? And I said, yeah. And they go, ah, oh, I knew it. See, didn't I tell you? Okay. So this is what's going on with us. <laughs> they would just go, it never got in the way. They would just go right to what's going really? on. Well, I was going to, that's one of the questions I was going to ask you in a few minutes when we got to all of what you do now. I mean, do you have people that, you know, book an appointment, whether it's Zoom or in person, let's come in. And they're like, listen, I got to be honest with you. I mean, do you have fans that will go down that road and at the end say, listen, this has been great. I'll, I'll pay your hourly fee, but like, can I have a picture? Has that ever happened? I, that has never happened. That has never happened. Um, 
I did have one couple once who came in and we, I worked with them for several months. And on the last day, he turned to her and he said, don't you recognize her? She's, she's the mom on 90210. He'd never said a word the whole time. And I was like, I was shocked. And that was what, like months and months? Months, months. I, we must have worked together at least six months, four to six months, right? And he never said a thing. I had no idea. Now, I, I remember when I was doing my training, I was working at Santa Monica High School and one of the other, um, another a wonderful therapist who's a friend of mine, she was in the same training spot with me and she would go, they all want the mom from 90210 is their therapist, right? And I thought, well, that's, yes, that's a little, un, it's an unfair advantage. So. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Do you ever ask yourself why are so many dogs suffering with health issues? Well, actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 1,600 dogs through her foundation, says she's seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, says there's one place we can look to support any dog's health, their food. So she decided to create something she could actually feel good about feeding her dogs, and it's called Superfood Complete. Superfood Complete is the only food I use for the dog in my life, Doherty. Why? Because Doherty's health is so important to me. Doherty is so picky. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. But he loves this dog food. What do I love best about Superfood Complete? The fact that it's made with over 30 of the healthiest ingredients on the planet. But don't take my word for it. Go to badlandsranch.com velvet in order right now to get 50% off your regular priced order with a 90-day money-back guarantee. If you want your dog to experience all these incredible things, go to B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S ranch.com slash velvet today. I have to say there is such a thing as celebrity privilege. I mean, I know we're all talking about white privilege, but there's also celebrity privilege. You know, yeah. Well, it's it can be weird sometimes because you don't know. Is this person being nice to me because I'm Cindy Walsh or because they like me and they're not exactly the same thing, you know? So, um, but it does mean that people usually approach me if they recognize with a very positive attitude. Right. And they're going to give me, they're going to give me the, the benefit of the doubt for sure. I think there's totally something like celebrity privilege, especially in the world that we live in now. And it's, you know, you could it's be in, in, it's out of control. <laughs> but do you ever think like, you know, there was something nurturing about Cindy Walsh. Like what if you played, like you said in the beginning, like a psycho killer or some well, other. I know it's true. I think that the, the, the character, uh, I mean, she went to, studies counseling, right? 
Yeah. She was so it, it, the character really connects well with the persona of being a therapist. So and that's worked really well for me. I don't know if you remember Anne Gillespie. She played, uh, yes. she, she's a dear friend and um, she played, you know, Kelly's, Kelly's mom. Yeah. Well, she became a priest. Wow. And she was the cocaine addicted alcoholic mother, which is kind of, you know, perfect priest material in a way. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I totally know who she is. But that's strange. Like, I mean, that's good to know. I guess that like there's not more of people that come and then they're there for the wrong reasons. They want <laughs> they, they want an hour with Cindy Walsh. Yeah. What about, you know, do, I don't know. Did you have scenes with Hillary Swank when she was on? Oscar winner Hillary Swank? No, no, they were all, all of those. I didn't think so. Yeah, all of those people who really got their career boosts were it, with the kids. And yeah. sometimes it was because they were seasons six through 10. And sometimes it was just because they showed up at school. But they didn't come to the Walsh house. I didn't yeah. need <laughs> I mean, that's what I thought. I just figured I would ask. And it's so funny because people tell ask me that. I, Hillary Swank was on our show. <laughs> Eva Longoria, Adam Levine from Maroon 5. Really? Lucy Liu, Matthew Perry from Friends. No! <laughs> Hillary Swank, though, was an actual real cast member for a period of time. Like two years, and then she was fired because the audience just didn't relate to her. She was she had a child. She was Steve Sanders. I don't think they ever got married. It was Steve Sanders' girlfriend. And she had a, a baby out of wedlock. Yeah, and it just the audience just didn't take to her. And then I think literally right after she was fired, I think she did Boys Don't Cry. Like it was, I don't know if it was a year or whatever it was, that was the next thing. And then meet the rest. Yeah, meet. well, that's why she, she had to leave 90210 so she could. I think it all worked out for Hillary Swank in the entertainment business. Yeah, I think business. things worked out for her, yeah. Just, you know, if anyone's worried about her. <laughs> what about, what was it like working with Tiffany Thiessen? Oh, well, I, Tiffany's a gal. She's a real sort of gal. And um, that's, I relate to that. And we used to, she, I, I'd say, I mean, I, I, I didn't know her that well personally. I didn't give her advice for sure any, or anything like that. But we, there was a little more sort of back and forth joking on the set. We would riff together. I just remember enjoying being on the set with her a lot. And it's funny because, you know, she, she was really the bad girl. It, on the show, right? She was sowing dissension everywhere and c going, you know, stabbing people in the back, right and left. But of course, Cindy just thinks she's lovely because we have this lovely relationship. So it was sort of perfect for the for the show that I had not a clue about what was really going on. That first episode she's in and it ends where she's like going upstairs and then she opens the window and smokes pot. You're like, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> you're like welcome Valerie Malone this is this is gonna work out yeah 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 so she even had more leeway to do that stuff than would a daughter right you know that for as a character and so even though you didn't know them personally and you didn't have any issues with Shannon it was more like collaborative with Tiffany yeah yeah and we just you know we just had we had chemistry I had chemistry with with Tiffany probably more than other than James and Luke, 
even though I didn't get to do a lot with Luke. We had really good chemistry. Well, you did do an interview at some point. I don't know when, I forgot. And you admitted that you were had an attraction to Luke. I think this was on the, this might've been on um, Tori. And- I think it was on Tori. Is that, is, is that what it takes? Does it take, if I were Tori or, or I really was Brian, maybe, you know, you would have revealed that here today. You just felt comfortable with Tori and Jenny that you revealed it. Um, I think I had intimated it in another interview and they had picked up on it. Oh, I heard that you, and, and of course, you know, sitting around with the girls gabbing, it's a different, it's a different, um, environment that they create and you know I just I enjoyed that reboot was so much fun I I think that was my favorite day of shooting in my entire career I just enjoyed it so much and just being with them and you know the people that they were and the people that they are now it was just delightful everyone was lovely to me absolutely lovely and, you know, this was from a time when they were, when we were doing the show, a lot of times, I mean, they were into their own thing and they were just sort of in their own world and they didn't pay any attention to me any more than I paid any attention to them. But the rapport in the room when we were shooting that scene was just sublime. It was so much fun. And that was like your favorite day of shooting ever? Ever. ever. Wow. Why? Like, what was it about that? Well, it was a wonderful scene. It was very well written. It was funny. I knew my lines cold, which I knew that, you know, I knew I needed to know my lines cold because I would be nervous. We were all sitting around, you know, there wasn't a lot of movement action. Jason was directing. He's a wonderful director. I really, I enjoy working with him. And, you know, in between, I mean, we would just, we all felt so relaxed with each other. It's like we were old friends. We hadn't seen each other in a long time, but we, could all just chill out. I mean, everybody knew everybody very, very well. And it was so nice. It was just, it was, it was like a beautiful family reunion, you know? And that was the first time you kind of reconnected with everyone. Like you just all went your own ways. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you hear about this reboot before you got the call? And what does that call look like? And who calls? I did. I, I, I heard something, I, you know, read something about, oh, they're doing a reboot. And people started asking me, oh, are you going to be in the reboot? And I said, oh, you know, probably not. It's probably about the kids, you know. And then I read the concept, which was actors trying to get a reboot on. And I thought, to be honest, I didn't, I thought, oh, well, that's, that doesn't sound that great. But I have to say, I was very impressed with how they did it. They did it with such panache and awareness you know this awareness of what happens to celebrities when they grow older especially women i mean all of the ways that they undercut ideas about celebrity and and the and played on all of these tropes you're talking about about the competition with brenda right with shannon and all the <clears throat> the stuff that was going on between people on the show and um I thought it was really brilliant and charming and very funny and didn't take itself too seriously. And, you know, also included some of the downside of celebrity, which is, you know, 
people may be stalking you and wanting to murder you, you know, yeah. if I just, I was just really impressed. And gosh, the scene I got to do was, I thought it, it was easy to memorize because I thought it was just, it, it fit, it felt true as a therapist. You know, they cast me as a therapist. Yeah. And a therapist. So. I mean, that's what's so, I mean, they, they were in on the joke. That's what was so great. Exactly. About it. Exactly. Like was- Shannon, everyone was afraid of Shannon. Like in the, re- it was, it was brilliant. And you are a therapist. Not- yeah. It was brilliant. It was extremely well done. I'm so sorry they didn't get another pickup. But um, Who calls you though? Like, I mean, does that have to go through your my agent? My agent called me. I was in New York at the time. And my agent called me and said, hey, they called us. Do you want to, you know, everybody's playing themselves. Do you want to, you up for the reboot? I said, oh God, yes. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and it was, uh, I was in Vancouver for like, I mean, literally 48 hours. I flew in and in the evening. I did my thing. I did, we worked all the next day and I flew out the next morning. Were I got sh- to spend some time with Christine Elise too, who I hadn't. I had known only in really in passing. I mean, it was, it's just, it was miraculous to see these young, young people um, turn into adults. <laughs> were you shocked that they were at Tori and Jenny were able to get every single person? Cause Shannon wasn't doing it. I know. I don't know how they got her, but you know, I think that what you were talking about that I being identified with the role I think because it had been so long and because they weren't playing those characters anymore. Right. Right. They were playing some kind of morphed version of themselves. Um, I suspect that was more appealing to people than, you know, what is Andrea doing 25 years later? Right. And, you know, if you're not working, why not? And I think they all got involved in the producing, the, you know, the production end. They were all listed as producers. So that's, that's an opportunity to engage a little more deeply in the process. And, and that's, um, that's always useful. And I think the psychology behind it, the fact that like people, right, it's a blurred role because people do think that Shannon is Brenda. People do think that yes, Tori yes. is Donna. It's very and blurred. It, people you know, like if you're not in the business, just, I mean, I'm not insulting everyone in the world, but that is truly what you just, you know, they're not, but you don't, a lot of people. Right. Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm subject to that too. I, I remember I was sitting in a little cafe and there was a woman at the next table and I'm thinking, gosh, I, I feel like I know this woman. Did I, do I know her from church? Have I, you know, and I'm going through all these possibilities and I finally realized oh my God, it's an actress. (laughs) It's an actress I have seen in movies or TV shows. She's been in my living room. So I think I know her. (laughs) So we're, we're all subject to that kind of uh, confusion. (laughs) Has anyone ever like met you or like wrote to you where it is like a Meryl Streep or someone where you're like, you're a fan, like a share, like someone just huge or like Bobby De Niro where you're like, you watch 90210, what the hell? No, no. No, I guess the closest I got with that was when I was um, doing Broadway and um, Danny Aiello was in the cast and we all went out for drinks one night and I mean, um, Bobby Duval showed up and, and that was, that was kind of cool getting to meet Bobby Duval. 
That is cool. Yeah. Were you, what was working with Aaron Spelling like? Well, I, you know, he wasn't on the set day to day. Right. Um, but what impressed me about him was the, that, that first audition that I did. Um, he came right up. And, you know, normally you come into these auditions, there's a bunch of guys, mostly guys, although that's changing. There are more and more women in these roles. Um, and, you know, you were, the casting director's there and you're reading with the casting director. You know, you say hi and they nod or something and then you do your reading and then you leave. And there's not much. Aaron Spelling came right up to me. He shook my hand. He said, hi, I'm Aaron Spelling. You know, thank you for coming in. And I thought, I mean, never happened before or since that a producer did that. And I said, this is a guy, he used to be an actor and he remembers what it was like to walk into a room of strangers and have to put out in that sense, right? Um, so I, that impressed me. That impressed me. And we, he had us to our homes, his home several times. And he, he was very uh, engaging, uh, an engaging guy. It's sandal season, and that's something I used to wait all year for. But now with the new Croc-style sandals, I embrace those feel-good summer vibes all year long. And you can too. I love Croc's new getaway sandals. With their new feel-free technology, they're so light and soft, it feels like you don't have shoes on at all. It's like walking on clouds. They're Brooklyn sandals. They're so stylish and sophisticated. They have a classic style and a modern simplicity. And let's not forget their new Miami sandals. They're an elevated silhouette and they have a slight lift, which I love. So thanks to Crocs, these aren't just sandals for a single season. You can wear them year-round. And that's what I love best about Crocs because being this comfortable transcends a single season or a single vacation or even a single moment. It's a mindset. Thank you, Crocs. And right now you get 20% off your next purchase at Crocs.com. Just use the code SANDALS20 at checkout. That's SANDALS20 at Crocs.com for 20% off your purchase. Do you remember Tuesday, September 20th, 2016? Because we do. Because it's the day This Is Us premiered after more than 70 million of you watched our trailer and made our show go viral. I'm Mandy Moore. I am Chris Sullivan. And I'm Sterling Brown. We are your hosts of That Was Us, a rewatch podcast starting May 14th. Listen to our episodes wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll be able to watch our episodes on the That Was Us YouTube channel. Did you go to those infamous Christmas parties at Spelling Man? Oh, yes. <laughs> they were, I mean, it was a lot of fun. We had, um, I remember, I remember exactly what I wore. <laughs> you do? Yes. Do you I think? A lace, a lace dress and I had a, a red slip made to wear under it. And that must have been like a who's who of everyone. I, yeah. I mean, the other fun thing was getting invited to awards shows and being in the crowd with, oh, golly, I mean, people, I remember um, went to some award show and there was Michael Richards from Seinfeld. And I just said, I just have to tell you, my husband and I love your work on Seinfeld. And he was very nice. And, you know, so, you know, actors are fans too. We're fans of each other in a way. Um, yeah. I would think that would be one of the best things about going to an award show. 
Yeah. I talk to so many people on this show that when I run into someone or have them back on the show and they remember my name, I'm always blown away. It's the little details. And when it comes to sheets, the only place I turn is bowl and branch. Why? Because they pay attention to the little details. Bowl and Branch was formed by a husband and wife team that set out to give sleepers more choices for high quality sheets at a fair price. And boy, did they ever accomplish that. What I love is the variety of colors. I chose the pewter mainly because it goes best with my apartment. The sheets are so elegant. They look and feel so sophisticated, but the price is so reasonable. That's why I chose them. They're hundred percent organic cotton. They are made toxin-free. And what I love is they get softer with every wash sheets that look high-end sophisticated and elegant, but are affordable. Sign me up. And that is why I did sign up. These are the only sheets I will now use. And you guys need to check this out. So listen, you can try them worry-free for 30 nights with free shipping and returns to experience the best sheets you you've ever felt, choose Bowling Branch. And because you're listening to this podcast, you get an exclusive 15% off your first set of sheets with promo code VELVET at BowlingBranch.com. That's Bowling Branch, B-O-L-L and B-R-A-N-C-H.com, promo code VELVET. Do you think Aaron would be proud of Tori? I mean, she was, this was her baby, this reboot. Oh, yes. I think he would be, I think he'd be very proud of her. I mean, he's following in her footsteps. You know, he's, he's, I mean, she's not maybe having as much success as he did, but um, he's, he's a once in a blue moon phenomenon. The number of shows he cranked out. Um, Yeah. And she's the mother of five. (laughs) You know. What? Do you, so in your practice as a licensed therapist, do you specialize in anything? I mean, do you get a lot of people that, you know, have these issues with fame and like, you know, because fame could be one of the most addicting drugs, you know, is that, I mean, you would. No, I didn't get a, uh, what I, I, I'd say right now, I, um, I sort of gave up my office in 2018. So now I, I really only see clients that I've been seeing for many years. Um, and you'd be amazed. A lot of people have come back over this yeah. past year because they're, you know, they're getting to the end of their rope. Um, but so I'm only working with people I already know really well. Um, but before that, <clears throat> I'd say I loved working with millennials. Um, um, most, you know, people in their at the time they were in their twenties. I worked with a, a lot of couples, um, sort of in the early stages of a relationship and marriage with young children, um, not so much in the older teenage and, and um, launching periods. Um, that's just, it's sort of how it happened and, and, and what I was felt most comfortable with. I'm, I'm not, I'm not good with couples who are really um, in, in fighting mode most of the time. I, I, you need a, you really need a referee there. And I'm, that's not, that's not what I'm good at. So, um, and I, I, you know, I, I still enjoy the work. Um, it's funny because I, I left in 2018 and then there was just a couple of people that wanted to continue doing it online. And then 
<laughs> slowly they now back. right and now that is the go-to method i know isn't that funny uh and, and I, so i was already comfortable with it by and millennials kind of relates to you know it's again that like this group of 20 somethings now 30 somethings that's funny that a lot of your clients are millennials yeah well my son's a millennial so i suppose that's part of it but it, and and it's this is this really works as a therapist people don't want to go to a young person who's a therapist right so i did it in the right order if i'm going to be an actor do that first be a therapist later in life do you feel that your acting helps you as a therapist I mean, it sounds like the other way around. My engagement with acting and my engagement in therapy stem from the same origins, which is that real fascination and interest in human beings and why they do the things they do and what makes for a good life and how to make the kind of choices that are helpful to you instead of the ones that ultimately aren't helpful. Um, I also work with, I, we, I talk about spirituality with a lot of my clients as well. I was going to ask you about your book, When Your Child Has oh, a yeah. Chronic Medical Illness. Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, so the, the, uh, my co-author, uh, Frank Cilio, he's a psychologist who lives in New Jersey, and he knew Jason. And he's written a series of children's books. And he wrote one called The World of Possibilities. Delightful book. And he was, you know, he's looking for people to, he's the great marketer. So he's looking for people to write blurbs for his book. And Jason, I guess, had told him that I was a therapist. So he got in touch with me through my professional um, email and, uh, said, you know, I, I see that you're in, get involved with mindfulness. I've studied both Christianity and Buddhism. And so I'm, I'm, I've had a meditation practice for um, longer than I wish to reveal on in public. I don't reveal my age either, so I get it. <laughs> well, everybody, it's already in the newspapers. I don't know why I worry about it. But probably close to 50 years I've been doing, have a meditation practice, some kind. And uh, so... I said, sure, I'll, you know, send me the book. So he sent me the book. I thought it was delightful. And I, so I wrote a nice blurb for him. And then um, he and his husband came to LA and said, you know, we'd love to take you out to lunch at the, at the um, Polo Lounge. I'm there. You don't say no to the Polo Lounge. You don't say no to the Polo Lounge, especially actors. You know, we love to eat. So we had this marvelous conversation. Of course, he works with a lot of kids with various kinds of uh, chronic medical illness. And he does a lot of parenting, um, uh, parenting workshops. And obviously, when you're working with kids, you're talking to parents. And um, I, I was a co-creator of a parenting class at the counseling center where I got my hours and it's still you know, going on. So I've done a lot of work with parents as well. And we, I don't know, we got talking, he said, Oh, you know, I've written all these children's books, but I'd really like to write a parenting book. And he said, but you know, I'm not a parent. And so nobody thinks I can write a parenting book. I said, Oh yeah, that's a, that's, you know, that's too bad. And I walked out 
And I thought, this is exactly what I thought. I said, well, I'm a parent and I played one on television, which is probably more important. So I thought, oh God, that's a crazy idea. I barely know this man. So I sat on it for a day and I just couldn't let it go. I said, so I sent him an email and said, you know, would it make sense for us to think about writing a book together? So we started talking. He was very excited about the idea. Apparently he'd had the same idea and, uh, and also felt like, oh my God, I can't ask her to write a book with me. So in uh, looking for a possible publisher, he had a relationship with the American Psychological Association because they'd published all of his children's books. And he said, he, he was talking to one of their representatives and they said, you know, we're not really interested in a general parenting book, but if you can think of a good niche. And so he came back to me and he said, you know, I don't know if, if you would be interested in this at all, but you know, I have all these kids with chronic illness. I know that there's not very much out there and I would, I would like to write a parenting book for kids with chronic illness. And by that time I was like, I am on board for whatever. I've always wanted to write a book. I, I've never been able to quite get it together. And this is an opportunity. It's not going to come again. And, and it has been, we worked for about three years on the book. It's been an amazing experience. And the fact that we get along so well, that our writing is so complimentary is nothing short of a miracle. I mean, he didn't know if I could write or not. I mean, I did go to Harvard, so I should have some minimal... Well, there's a lot worse schools to go to. Yes. I would say there's a, there's a lot worse schools to go to. Yes. than Harvard. Yeah. So we, we, we started writing this book. We, we, he, he really organized the proposal. We worked on us on, on a chapter together because he's more familiar with this. And, and I felt I had something to offer because as, as a marriage and family therapist, we think systemically, what goes on in the relationships. And we're, you know, we were talking about writing a book about the psychological impact of having a chronic Ill, having a child with a chronic illness. And that has impacts on the family system, on the couple system. And so I felt that there was, and I also, um, I have, uh, I did have some specialized training in grief and loss, which is a big part of this issue. Um, and so we, 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 he created a, um, a chapter list and we split up the chapters. We, the, the APA liked our proposal and gave us a contract. And it was like, I mean, wow. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it was all happening. It was, it was amazing. It was in some ways more mind blowing than being on 90210 because, I, I had worked my whole career to do something like be on 90210, but I hadn't worked, I hadn't really worked my whole, you know, therapy career in order to write a book. It was just seemed like this random thing that came out of nowhere and all because of 90210. I don't think it would have, we would have made the connection if it weren't for that. So you see it all. So I cannot complain. It was, it's been nothing but grace for me. Well, maybe now you're in your third act, so to speak. I've had lots of different careers. Maybe you're, I mean, do you have an itching now to write more books? I do, but I'm not going to talk about it. It's a very different kind of book. I'm, I'm sort of deep into um, spirituality these days. I'm in a two-year program studying the Christian mystics. 
Interesting. Um, which is really mind-blowing. I really love it. And, um, and there's aspects of acting which are about, acting is about presence, right? Being fully present with your own circumstances and the imaginary circumstances. So there's some um, overlap there that I'd like to explore uh, in a book. And I, you know, I could also, I would also, you know, <clears throat> lace it with personal experiences. So it might appeal, it wouldn't be like an autobiography, but it would have sort of personal experiences in it that might appeal to a fan as well. So interesting. Um, so I'll, I, we'll see. I, I have to, I've, I've done a little bit of, of thinking about it and, and beginning to structure it, but I haven't really started to sit down and just work on it. That's what I have to do. Now that you've been in this career as a therapist all this time, and then we'll wrap mm. up, like, have you ever, I mean, I guess you said you didn't keep in touch with anyone, but like, has anyone ever reached out to you, like from the cast? Like, you know, this <clears> is your <throat> job now. Like, that's not a conflict of interest. You're a therapist. I mean, I know you don't want to give advice on set, oh. but like, say well, Brian Austin Green needed some counseling. Well, he knows well, a counselor right here. Yeah, uh, no. Um, or is that a conflict of interest? It's a little bit of a conflict of interest. When you know somebody so well in one way, I mean, I would have been open to it if, if uh, they, anyone had been comfortable with it. But it's... Um, you know, uh, coming into therapy is a very vulnerable process. And I would think it would be difficult to come into therapy with someone who knew you at a certain point in your life. It's felt a little out of control. And now you're in a very different, you, is that person going to bring those other thoughts or ideas about you into the room? What, it, it, it's better to start with a clean slate, I think. That makes sense. Well, like, you know, I often have friend, people who are not close friends, but casual friends say, oh, Jay, I'd love to have you be my therapist. And I go, mm, can't, can't do that. It's a conflict of interest. It's what we call a dual relationship. Right. And like, you know, too much that as a professional, you would keep out of it, but the subconscious, who knows? Well, yeah. And, and it's really about the other person, what they feel comfortable with. And you know, those kids, they didn't know what was going on in my head or what I thought of them. And I would think it would be, would be rife for a lot of feeling that I'm, you know, making judgments about them or something. I don't know. But yeah, no, I I wouldn't think that. Speaking of loss, because I know that's one of the issues you deal with, like how hard was it to do the reboot, like without Luke? And I know you were only there for a day. Well, uh, that was the saddest part, um, especially getting to see everyone else and not having the opportunity to see the man he became was really kind of heartbreaking. He was a a lovely man, um, a real grounded, a real person, you know, and, uh, yeah, I was, I was very sad about that. Yeah, that's hard. And, and we all were, we all were. And I was, it was nice that they, there are several moments where they give a collective homage to that sense of loss. Yeah, I mean, that's a loss. 
Yeah, they'll never all be together again. No. And I mean, I think that's why Shannon did, that's what, I mean, she's discussed, like that's why I think she finally decided to do the show. That makes sense. Like as a sense of closure. Yeah, let's all get together and do this for Luke. Right. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't going to be able to be on it because he was doing Riverside. I mean, Riverdale. Yeah. <clears throat> but, um, gosh, that was such a shock. And so young. Yeah. Yeah, we we actually, I was um, heading on a vacation with a friend and with some friends we had met for at the airport for breakfast before the flight, um, just right after he died and, and the waitress was so sweet. She served us all and everything. And at the end, she came up and she said, I'm so sorry about your friend, Luke, who died. And it was, it was very, it was very touching. She was, you know, clearly, you know, she wanted to give us all our space to, to just enjoy our meal. And yet she wanted to communicate her sense of loss, that we were united in that sense of loss. That was a beautiful moment. That is a beautiful moment. I thought you were going to say that's how you found out, that you didn't know until the waitress mentioned it. Oh, God, no. I was going to say, that's tough. That would have been been very bad. I mean, I'm not really good at at keeping up on things uh, on social media and stuff, but I did somehow get that news. Yeah, it's tough. And now what Shannon's going through with her cancer. Yeah. What, what, and can you um, get me up to date on that? I don't think there's much, I mean, she had treatment and it went away and now it's back. I mean, it's been back for like a year ish. Yeah. I think even a little longer. Yeah. And that's, I mean, even that is probably a miracle. Um, Sounded like it was pretty advanced when it came back. I know it's, it's tough this is why i'm sure you know this is a therapist like don't all these fighting on set over dresses like does anything really matter other than your health i mean that's how i live my life i'm like as long as i'm healthy today I- i'm takes a lot yeah. to really get me yes there. you well, could do like do anything or say anything to me and i just i don't care the world's most exciting podcast, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. I'm Michael Savage, host of the Savage Nation podcast, home of borders, language, and culture. Hear my new podcast each week as I speak with top guests from around the world. Right now, we have over 700 shows in our library. Featuring interviews with world leaders, scientists, faith teachers, and more, including President Donald Trump, Prime Minister of Israel Ehud Barak, Edward Teller, the father of the hydrogen bomb, Jerry Falwell, and so much more conversations and commentary you cannot find anywhere else. Other guests have included Samuel Cohen, the father of the neutron bomb, Breitbart's Alex Marlowe, the great author Peter Schweitzer, Colonel Douglas McGregor. Be here or be nowhere, the Savage Nation podcast. Catch the Michael Savage podcast on all podcast platforms every Tuesday and every Friday.
Yeah. Yeah. And I think this pandemic too has, has made it very clear what's really important. What's, you know, friends and family. Yeah. People that we connect with. That's what matters. That's what matters. Yeah. Two really final questions. Do you ever watch anything like Shannon's on Charmed? Luke is on Riverdale. Like you said, like, do you ever, do you ever watch any of these big I, I, projects? I, I, I often will watch at least one episode or something like that. But I have to tell you, the show that, I, that Shannon did that I thought was brilliant was Breaking Up with Shannon Doherty. She, you know, people would come, they wanted to break off the relationship. Now, I mean, I think it shows a certain amount of, you know, have the guts to break up with a person on your own. But on the other hand, she was so good at it. She was so creative in how she created these scenarios where she could deliver this bad news to people. I, I, I was so impressed. See, that's something I'd be terrible at. I mean, I can do it when I need to do it in my own life, but doing it for other people, oh God, no. I was going to say, even as a therapist, you, you, you wouldn't be good at it? No, no. And so out of Charmed, one of the, another brilliant Aaron Spelling show, out of all of Shannon's projects, it's, it's breaking up with Shannon Doherty that you were. <laughs> well, I suppose it's because by that time I wasn't so into acting and that she, um, I, I just thought the whole concept, I mean, she created this whole show. It's more than just playing a role, you know. Uh, I, was, yeah. I was just impressed with her creativity and panache really she I she just handled herself so well and to me because listen I watch everything with Shannon that to me ties in like this show works was probably green lit because of your reputation to me it ties into it yes yes which which goes back to there is no such thing as bad celebrity uh, publicity there's only publicity yeah, like breaking up with Tori Spelling. That doesn't make sense. Breaking up, of course, Shannon can break up with you. She can, <laughs> exactly. This is, have you read the tabloids? This makes complete sense. <laughs> complete sense. Well, with Tori, we had a marriage, marriage counseling with Tori Spelling. <laughs> you know, there's been, a, there's been a slew of these reality shows, and I've gotten approached by people uh, as a therapist. You know, do I, would I want to, you know, do therapy on TV? Um, and or do I have clients who'd like to do therapy on TV? <laughs> I have a, I feel enough pressure in the room to be a good therapist. I don't need I don't need to have cameras on it. Aside from how can you? It, it's I mean I, I I don't know if that was helpful for, for Tori and her husband, but how how are you really really deeply honest if it's being conveyed to millions of people who you have no idea how they're going to view what you're saying. It's, it's a total crapshoot. So yeah, no, it's nothing I would recommend to a client. And or, you, you get calls like, Oh, you know, Beverly Hills housewives, we need a therapist to be on. The, well, no, this would be, these are reality shows for showing therapy. Right. Right, we're gonna do a, a a show about marriage therapy, working, or you know, Maybe. how to recover from an affair or something. And I I see the benefit of those shows. I mean, I do think there's something 
uh, very beneficial if you feel called to do something like that. I am not called to do something like that. It's the last thing you want to do. Did you watch True Tory? Because it was hard to watch. No, I didn't. And I don't mean that in a judgment way. I just meant in a like compassionate way. Yeah, painful. Yeah. I, I'm sure, you know, marriage family, a couple, you know, marital counseling is, is difficult. It's probably the most difficult um, counseling that there is. Of all. Yeah. Somehow families, it's a little more, um, it's the intensity, I think, of the marital bond that makes that so challenging. As we wrap up, how do you want to be remembered as an actress? Oh, I mean, I'm going to be remembered as Cindy Walsh, so (laughs) it doesn't really matter if I want something else, but I hope people will know that I did theater as well, and, and then I did some... The things that I'm most proud of are I played um, Alma in Summer and Smoke opposite Christopher Reeve, the Amundsen. And I'm this play that I was doing um, with uh, Theater 40. Uh, It's a play called The Manor. We did it in Doheny Mansion up above Beverly Hills. And I played Marion, the the wife of the family, and those are the two roles that I, f- I feel proudest of um, as m- in terms of my theater work. But a lot of them, but I also did Gemini, which was just loads of fun and very close. I see, I did Gemini in the 70s and I'm still close with those people. You are? Yeah. I mean, we, we, we you know, you, you get married, you have a family and you get pretty tunnel vision for a while but I've reconnected with um, both of my main co-stars. All, but, all of them that are still alive, except one. And, and it's just, it's so lovely to see them. And it was, that was the same feeling I had on the set of the reboot. It was just lovely to see everybody and be with everyone and just be who we are now. You know, it's really yeah. nice. Well, I loved the reboot, so thrilled that you're a part of it. Me too. Where can everyone find you online? And is there anything else you want to put out there? I always give people a chance at the end. Thank you for entertaining all of my many questions about Miss. Oh, you're very welcome. I just want to say that um, you can get my book on Amazon. Um, When children, when your child has a chronic medical illness, a guide for the parenting journey. And I ha- if you do get the book and you find it of value, please give it a, a review. Um, we're getting very good response from people. But there's, there's anywhere from 15 to 40% of uh, children have some kind of chronic illness. Um, now, we didn't focus on things like ADD or autism. We were focusing more on things like asthma and... Um, diabetes and um, because because of the medical aspects of it but I I hope it will I hope if there are any um, you know healthcare 
people, professionals who work with kids that they'll check it out because it could be very, we're hoping that it'll just be very, very helpful for parents who are, you know, it's hard enough to be a parent these days and it's overwhelming enough, but to add a chronic medical illness into the mix just, just makes everything that much more challenging. Um, and I couldn't so imagine. Helpful. Yeah, we, we're just hoping that it will help people. I couldn't imagine. Like, I have two friends that have children with not necessarily chronic illnesses, but like special needs. And it's just, I mean, it is. It's any type of, it's literally overwhelming. So, yeah. and while we're focused on chronic medical illness, aspects of, of uh, what we talk about are going to show up with any kind of special needs. You know, how does it affect the rest of the family? How does it affect the parents? Do, right. How do you bring in extended, um, ex- you know, extended family, working with the school system, working with the medical system? Um, we, we tried to cover a broad range of topics. So, um, and we're just hoping we did enough justice to them. You could probably write a a whole book about each one of the chapters, but we tried to cover, see if we could cover the ground and and help people with this who are struggling probably. Well, everyone needs to go to Amazon and get it. And yes, I'm all about reviews. So if people like it, they need to leave a review from someone that has their own podcast. It's all about the review. All about the reviews. And are are you on social media, even though you don't keep up um, with it? Yes. Um, Gosh. You know, I'm, I'm so, I have to look up my handles. I'll include it too. Cause I don't know what yours is by heart. <clears throat> okay. I don't know if it's just, yes. Um, so on Instagram, I'm Carol Potter, 90210. And on um, Twitter. Twitter is. I, I, I'm much more into Instagram too. Me too. For a um, lot of reasons. Yeah. And, and on uh, Twitter, I'm at Carol S as in Sam P nine zero two one zero. Listen, you got to use it. How it's how people I find mean, you. It's how people can find me. So why not? Everyone needs to follow you. I really appreciate you taking your time to do this. Oh, I'm so appreciate you asking me. Thank you so much. I am going to. I will connect with you on Instagram too. I'm good about keeping in touch with people. So and check out Randy Rainbow. I'm going to go do that like right now because I can't, I have like this vision and I have to, you know, listen, if he's half as cute as Brian Austin Green, I will. He's very cute. He's a very good looking man. I'll take it then. You know, Randy Rainbow, right? Yeah. But I just can't picture like what he's, I, I I need to see myself next to him. His face might be even a little narrower than yours. I'm not sure, but it's just some, I really, you know, sometimes I get weird connections between how people look and it's not really how the specifics of their features, but there's something about the whole thing that reminds me of the other person. So it might I'll take it. <laughs> there are worse people to be compared to, right? Well, yes. Yes. So this has been really delightful. Thank you for inviting me on. Thank you for taking your time and not rushing and just entertaining me with all my questions. So all right. We'll keep in touch. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I do too. Have a good day. You too. Bye, Carol. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. 
because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you, guys. See you soon.